Welcome to Rochambeau, the podcast about unique competitions and the amazing competitors that make them happen. I'm Ted. And I'm Kim. And hey, hey. it's hey, been hey. a minute. It's been a minute. So among the many things that the pandemic changed was the frequency in which our favorite communities got together for their nutty competitions. So Ted, you and I, we had to take we a break. We took a little break. Yeah. Yep. But we missed you. And over Labor Day weekend, we got to witness a fantastically silly competition. And today we get to share that with you. I'm very excited to be back. So ladies and gentlemen, Rochambeau presents Splendid Teapot Racing. This is Oolong. Swaggin, the swag wagon. R2T2. This is my teapot racer, the tea truck. Tyrannosaurus and sunny tea, sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes teacuposaurus in a baby carriage. <laughs> That's right, teapot racing. Let's start out with some history of this delightfully wacky and fun sport. Oh, please. Splendid teapot racing was conceived by Simone Montgomery in Dunedin, New Zealand. Close enough. Close enough, okay. Yep. She was looking for something that everyone, no matter their abilities, could participate in, in a spirit of inclusiveness. Very cool. Yeah. She had a friend, Donna Rose, a.k.a. Amelia Dangerfield. <laughs> I love that name. Me too who was in a wheelchair that had a joystick controller and came up with the idea of a remote-controlled teapot. With a remote-controlled car and a teapot, the first teapot racer, the Salty Sea Dog, was born. Its first public contest was at the 2014 Steampunk New Zealand Festival in Omaru. So I feel like there's a lot of nuance that somehow got skipped between, hey, I have a wheelchair with a joystick, hey, we should put a teapot on right. top of... I don't know how that happened, but... well. It, Kim, this is New Zealand. <laughs> I think they put teapots in everything. But it's plausible. That's the typical. I did thing think that was Britain, but well, yeah. Anyways, we're just gonna throw out all the <laughs> stereotypes of all all the countries in in you know a spirit of inclusiveness. And, that's right. They, they, we all they all matter. We love them all. So it happened at a steampunk festival, and at this point, you might ask, what is the connection between steampunk culture and teapot racing? To which I would say. I'm not sure. I don't blame you. Um, here's what we know. Steampunk is often defined as culture where history and fantasy collide with technology, which sounds like fun. Boom. Boom. More specifically, steampunk is a subgenre of science fiction and typically features steam-powered machinery rather than advanced technology. And tea is steamy, so... I, I think the tea being steamy might be a bigger deal than we realize. Also, you cannot spell steampunk without tea. So well, maybe that's your real answer. <laughs> Think about it. So, okay. Splendid Teapot Racing came to Atlanta over Labor Day weekend as part of Dragon Con, Atlanta's mm -hmm. massive celebration of all things pop culture. And like many cons, there's different tracks you can follow at a con. And one of them is the steampunk track. And this year, those fantastical steampunkers put on a fantastically crazy competition. The steampunkers do a lot of fantastic things. I love them. Yes, this this was one of them. Um, this year, 17 teapot racers participated, and they each had to complete a pretty complicated obstacle course. Here's Liz, the host of Dragon Con's Splendid Teapot Race. They have three whole minutes to complete the course. If they don't finish it in three minutes, 
we make sad noises. Aww. If they finish it in three minutes or less, we get real excited because that means a new racer is coming up. <laughs> I love that. The, the, the stakes are sad noises or happy people. <laughs> a lot of audience participation. Yeah. So, to start out, the racers take the stage, introduce themselves and their teapot racers to the event's three judges, right? That's right. So, three judges, and the judge that has been judging the longest is Alan Braden, otherwise known as... The moniker I use for steampunk events is Professor Upsidasium, because I stink at branding. <laughs> so, how did you get chosen to be a judge today? Oh, this is actually my fourth or fifth time being a judge okay. for uh, Splendid Teapot Racing. It's just so much fun. Tell me what you're looking for as a judge. So as a judge, what I'm looking for is that you put a little effort into your racer. And your racer can be anything that moves forward with a teacup or teapot on it. <laughs> okay? We, we don't care. If it's ambulatory and has accoutrement, we're good. Just, just go for it. Just go for it. Um, you saw the course is rather unforgiving in places. No doubt. <laughs> so, you know, completion is even optional. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it's just come up here and have a good time. Uh, we're looking for people who have thought things through. Um, there's an aspect of splendid teapot racing, which is bribing the judges. There are actual points awarded on bribing the judges. We throw out the points as we feel are necessary. We cheer everybody on. Uh, there's also the time. Uh, factor. We give them three minutes to race, and really the time is one of the leading heavy scores. It's usually the, the fastest racer is going to win, but because of the unforgiving obstacles... Can you describe the obstacles? Certainly. You start at the starting line. Uh, the first obstacle is a slalom of teacups and saucers balanced on top of candlesticks. So you have to weave your way through that, and then you get to the, the dreaded Ramp of Doom. And this is a 45, roughly 45 degree angle uh, curved ramp. And we would like you to go up one side, make the curve, and come down the other side. That's the object of it. Uh, as I've said before, a lot of this is kind of, uh, do your best job. Right. Interpret this as you will. Right. Uh, we have had years where, uh, with the candlestick slalom, uh, people have decided their objective is to kill every candlestick. <laughs> and that's fine. We applaud that. We applaud that energy. Um, coming out of the Ramp of Doom, there is sometimes a split ramp with a little gap. That's, that's very tough to do. Mm. Right. Uh, today, what I was calling the teeter-totter of terror, which is a basic seesaw. And uh, you have to navigate your vehicle up one side and then hopefully the weight will trigger it to come down the other side and then past that you go off to the finish line i gotta say i loved me some professor upsidasium he was such a cool fellow and his passion for the event was transparent yeah and there was a teeter-totter there was a teeter-totter <laughs> i love a teeter-totter and a ramp of doom yes yeah i'm into those things <laughs> and kim in addition to the costumes which are steampunk tradition True. There's also bribes. I love bribes. Me so too. many of our competitions have bribes. They do. We love that. So we met some of the judges. Uh, we learned some rules, heard about the course, and then 17 racers got on stage one at a time, introduced themselves, gave some bribes, <laughs> and then... Racers, are you ready? Judges, are you ready? Three, two, one. 
I'd like to point out exactly that, that what you heard might have sounded like boo, but it was absolutely not. It was doom. That's right. That's awesome. I think I also heard a candlestick knock you over did. on that one. Yeah. You absolutely did. Yep. And then a triumphant run at the teeter-totter of terror, I think, was that big applause at the end. That is so fun. Indeed. It's a sweet and very supportive environment with racers ranging in ages from 6 to 60. I caught up with one of the newer racers. He was making his inaugural run. And by the way, he happened to be dressed up as an avatar because it's still Dragon Con after uh, all. The blue kind of avatar? Exactly. Nice. My name is Xander Cole. And when did you start doing this? This is my first year. And what got you interested? Well, Mom was looking at the things we could do for Dragon Con, and then she saw the teapot races, and we were like, that looks cool. This is my teapot racer. It used to be a dragon car, but we took off the frame. Smart. And we put the little teapots in the wheels. Oh, that's so great. And we put some tea bags in the back, and I made it so it looks like it's pouring into the engine, so tea powers the engine. And what type of tea do you think gives the best fuel? Uh... Definitely Darjeeling. Mmm, good choice, good right choice. The, the teapot racer used to have a license plate that said P for life, but we used normal glue instead of uh, hot glue, and it fell off. Oh, Xander, T for life. <laughs> T for life. Love, love that kid. Yeah, he was the best, and in no time at all, he was hitting the stage. Are we ready? Introduce yourself. My name is Xander, and this is my teapot racer, the tea truck. It's a very special teapot racer because it's completely powered on tea. Well done. Subscribe the judges. I have stickers and some fruit snacks. All right, so Xander wasn't just my favorite. He actually won an award. And for the avatar that had it all, congratulations. You are the judge's favorite. But if you ask me, Professor Upsidasium was the real winner of the day because, you know, bribes. Talk to me about some of the bribes that you got today. Oh, uh, let's see. Someone gave in a Dragon Con Teapot Races 2022 Tea Towel. So smart. And there's cookies in here. Nice. And uh, one child, uh, his father, uh, 3D printed a crate dragon from the uh, Star Wars Mandalorian. And it's a 3D flexible flexible print and such. And unfortunately, he only made one, and my companion judges didn't want it, so I'm able to adopt it. Oh, I love a good adoption story. <laughs> That's sweet. That's a good way to finish up a happy story about teapots. Indeed. Yeah. If you want to learn more, head over to the splendidteapotracing.com. Ted, this was so fun. I missed you. I know. This has been way, way too long. I know. I wish I could say that we'd be back in a couple of weeks with more, but the reality is that time for this project is becoming harder to come by. I know. We miss you all out there. Love you, but we got bills to pay. So we can't promise you when we'll be back, but we will be back. And to hold you over till next time, I've got one more crazy competition I want to throw at you today. You do. Do tell. Want to talk about Banana Ball. What is Banana Ball? Okay, so Banana Ball. You've heard, perhaps, of baseball. I have heard heard of of baseball. baseball. What would you say is the one biggest drawback of baseball? I think it is commonly 
complained that it can be boring. That's true. And, and drag on. And Is it's it hard that? to get, get new people into the sport. Mm. Like, to get into watching it. Because if you, if you don't love the game, a lot of people love the game and I can I totally get that. But if you don't love it, it could be a little slow at times. Yeah. Right. Totally. So this is where Banana Ball comes in. Banana Ball started with the Savannah Bananas, <laughs> a minor league team, which might this be... This is the, a factual, actual team? A factual, actual okay. team. Yeah. Started in Savannah, obviously. Um, these guys bought this team. I think it was a struggling team. And they decided to make it fun. So they changed the rules of baseball. <laughs> so I think it's minor league or not even minor league. It could be in between collegiate... And minor leagues. So Savannah Bananas, you go down there, you play them, and you got to play by their rules. You got to play by the Savannah Banana rules. Yeah. Some of the rules are fans are in the game. Oh, wow. Yeah, like any foul ball caught by a spectator counts as an out. Oh, that just <laughs> makes sense to me. Yep. That's awesome. And there's a lot of antics during the game. They they Like one guy wears stilts sometimes, and they do moonwalks between Wait, like stuff. Like a player or like, like a, a player. mascot? Like a player. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so these are like kind of baseball players with also a flair for, you know, showboating. Right. So, they, so um, there's no time to waste. Neither managers nor catchers can visit the mound. If a batter steps out of the box between pitches, it's a strike. Oh, wow. Yep. Chop, chop. <laughs> chop, chop. <laughs> On that same vein, run, don't walk. The moment umpire calls ball four... The batter takes off sprinting, and the event snaps into action. Runners can keep going until the ball is thrown to every fielder, including outfielders. So they have to th- they throw the ball around the horn, and they have to get the guy out at home. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So much for a casual walk. Yeah. Batters can steal first on any ball or wild pitch. Okay. And usually it's just on, on uh, the third strike. Right? Sure. I think if I remember my baseball correctly. I'm just going to believe you. No bunting ever. If a batter bunts, they're out of the game. They're thrown out. <laughs> and probably booed. Yep. Then this one was really cool. Um, banana ball is played like a match play in golf. So the way that works is whoever wins an inning, you get the most runs in an inning, you get one point. Oh. So the next team could win the most innings in that, and they get one point. So it's tied up. So you're not creaming uh, people. I like that. Yeah, it kind of evens the game a little bit. I like that a lot. Yeah. So if baseball has nine innings, you can only say, lose by nine. Okay, <laughs> that's right. You're saying there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance. Let's see what else. Skeleton crew during extra innings. Oh, this is cool. The defense only gets a pitcher, catcher, and one fielder. If the batter puts the ball in play, he must try to round the bases and score before the ball is chased down and thrown home for an out. Wow. So your next innings, you're up. You hit it like to the right field, and the guys that run over there and try to get you out at home. You have to try to make the home run. Yeah, so that's pretty awesome. It's bananas. It's bananas. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a strict time limit. No new innings started after one hour and 50 minutes. That's genius. Boom, Because done. I've seen baseball games go on for yeah. hours. Yeah, and, and they make it inexpensive to go. I think like a ticket's like $20. You can get a Coke and a hot dog and <laughs> and a banana very, yeah and a banana you should get a banana um and i played a lot of southern teams that go there i know macon they played a game in macon i wanted to go to but i didn't get to go but sounds like a blast i really want to go. is it safe to assume that they have a mascot that's dressed as a banana he is a banana and he's got big guns and he's swinging a baseball bat big guns big guns a banana he's with a ripped, big guns he's a ripped banana fantastic <laughs> fantastic i hear it's very appealing yeah Uh still got it still got it punny ted that's right oh that was great thank you ted you're welcome 
And I hope we can catch up with y'all someday again soon. We're still on social media. It's true. Yep. I did post something recently about our friend Kurt Steiner. The stone skimming or skipping? Stone skipping champion. Skipping. He's got eyes on the skimming, but right now he's the world record holder stone skipping champion of the world. Fantastic. Friend of Rochambeau. He was just an outside magazine. That's yeah. awesome. And are you still stone skipping? I Ted still Ledoux? am non-professionally mm-hmm. in the lakes around upstate New York. Fantastic. There might be something with, with Kurt Steiner sometime coming up. Um, so, hey, you guys, tell us about your favorite crazy competition or just say hi. We're at Rochambeau Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. And our website is RochambeauPodcast.com. And thanks again, of course, to Cadillac Jones for sharing their music with us for this podcast. If they play in your town, go see them. They're awesome. Till next time, people. Goodbye. <laughs>